Searching for a new home? Make todayshomebc.com your online home base. With easy-to-search listings and connections to local realtors, everything you need is under one roof. Powered by Black Press Media, you can search hundreds of local listings all in one place. Access the top real estate professionals to help you find the perfect home today at todayshomebc.com. Hey, Jennifer Lee, how the heck are you? I'm great. Welcome back to another episode of Measure Twice, Cut Once. I am still having trouble coming to grips with the fact we're already in season six. We've had so many great conversations, including last week we had Jim Smith on, and we're going to keep that conversation going. We have an amazing, amazing two guests joining us today. Of course, my dear friend Todd Best, and we have Ian here as well, Ian McLean from Ian McLean Architecture. And we're going to have a really, really cool conversation about how to renovate an award winning dream home. Yeah, Ian's going to be your best friend after this, too. <laughs> I can already tell that. <laughs> I can already tell that. Well, I'm really excited to have you guys on. Todd, I've known for you, knowing you for a long time as well. Also a child of a family builder. You, of course, you've got your sons uh, going to be taking over your business one day as well. And so I always love chatting with you. But for our listeners that maybe don't know you as much yet, can you give us a little brief Todd history and how you got uh, your best builders? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I've never done anything but construction. So my father was uh, was an architect. Uh, and was a, an architect for the Department of Public Works. So a lot of his jobs back then when I was a kid were, were restoring old heritage buildings that are here in Vancouver. That was sort of his forte, if you will. He uh, retired early and started, uh, I guess, the first generation of best builders. And I remember the first project that we had as his company, which was then Gary Best Design and Construction, we built uh, Expo, three pavilions at Expo. And that's where I think I really got a love and knew that this was what I wanted to do. I, I really enjoyed the building aspect and the camaraderie with the guys and stuff. So, you know, that was, that sort of pushed me along that line of, okay, I want to be on hand, but tactile learner. I did struggle in school a bit, but as soon as I found that, you know, you can build stuff with your hands, schooling became really easy because I could put what I learned in class to use and then see the finished product. And uh, I think that's also led me to, you know, wanting to make sure I can apprentice all these young guys. And we have a new program, of course, but we can go into that later. But there, I always had a love for the impossible. I wanted people to tell me, you can't build that or that can't be built. And I think that's what I've kind of set the basis of best builders on is we don't want to take on, you know, 15 projects. I could be building as many homes at a time as I want, I suppose. But uh, I'm really looking for those clients that want something special, maybe an expression of who they are or an expression of how they like to live. Uh, they want to be a little bit extra creative. They don't want just that another house on a block. Um, you know, and this is what, uh, you know, Ian brings to the table for me as well is, again, you get that, that, that teamwork and that, that like-minded thinking. And if you can get a client in that too, then it makes everything really fun. Uh, it makes for an exciting project. And my boys have been able to watch, I guess, myself develop. And I'm thinking after all these years, I'm finally at the point now in my life where the business is very comfortable. We have steady clients coming in. We've won a lot of awards um, and I'm starting to wind down. So I've put in all this hard work. So it's, I'm very fortunate to have two sons that are very interested in the business and, uh, and, and they want to, 
they want to see it better. Like they still see the the flaws, if you will, in their dad. Like you know, dad, if you, if you'd done that a little bit better, this would be that much. So they want to put their own their own touch on it as well, which you know I find very exciting. They they want to get involved with the conversations with the clients. They want to get involved with the marketing. So to see, I think as a as a dad, you want to see your sons be a better version of you. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes with my company too. I wanted to do the things my dad couldn't accomplish, which I've managed to do a lot of the things because he struggled. But having said that, now I've taken the, comp- the company to a very comfortable place in the market. I've got lots of great friends with Haven, like tons of great friends with Haven, lots of great associates. A lot of my friends now are handing their companies on to their sons. So my sons are making friends with their sons. So this is a really exciting time for Best Builders. That's great. And again, like I said, similar situation, except I'm not taking over the family <laughs> business because they don't trust me with a hammer. But my brother one day will. Yeah. And Expo 86, so funny you mentioned that. A lot of great builders came from that. My dad also worked on a few pavilions. Yeah. Um, so it just seems to be like it was the start to a great generation of home builders. And Ian, how did you get into architecture before you met this lovely gentleman? Um, well, I, I grew up on Vancouver Island and uh, uh, I would work uh, with a framing company, a contractor building houses on Vancouver Island. Uh, my grandfather also was a builder, um, uh, emigrated from Denmark. Um, and so I always was inclined to, um, I always knew I wanted to be an architect, but I I'd, um, I thought the, be- the best practical, I wanted to get practical uh experience with house building and so uh from there i went to paid my way through university of victoria and then did my masters of architecture at ubc um and it was while i was interning with uh uh don stewart architect uh that i met todd on a project we were doing in west vancouver my first georgie your first georgie my first georgie (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, so we've known each other for since 2006 and uh, been working together on a number of projects since then. So but you have a very unique story because you wear multiple hats, right? There's all sorts of different kinds of architects, just like there's all sorts of different kinds of buildings. Yeah. And what I find very fascinating about you, well, forget about what I think. Tell everybody <laughs> what you do primarily because this part with homes is a passion project right you wear multiple hats yeah i um my my primary job is i'm a director at a at a large uh, local architecture firm hcma we do community centers pools schools community based buildings um but i i have i've never been able to let go of my passion which is building houses designing and building houses with good good builders um I so I I take on a select number of clients and and it's something that I I'll never let go of because I love doing it and I love working with with uh, people. We have a very collaborative approach. So, like Todd says, we I work very close to the builder and also we need a good client that's that's part of the team. So if we have a good if if the three of us uh, have a good synergy and work together, then there's great great results so but it's got to be challenging right because when you're doing commercial design that's for lack of a better term an industrial finish right so doing what you're going to do on a commercial basis is first of all a larger scale but also it's very different in feel than a residential area how do you how do you go between those two worlds it's a good question they are quite different um 
but I find that the residential world is is much more it's it's a little bit less rigid and it's a little more I can have a little bit more um sort of creative touch and sort of collaboration with trades with with good builders and with the institutional work it's there's there's a certain rigidity and structure to it and so I find it's um it's good to have both but um I, uh, you're not playing with the owners either, which we like, right? You like to exactly, get yeah. into the owner's head when you're building a school, it's a school. You can't yeah. be that creative. It's much more. Yeah. I feel like a pool would be cool though. <laughs> it is. I mean, the, the result of it is, is quite, quite spectacular and beautiful, but you have to remember it's a much larger team and you're, you're one part of a much larger process. Whereas with a custom home, you can really develop close relations with the owner and with the the trades and the builder that you're working with and and have a much more sort of personal creative contribution i feel um so i i do love i love both but uh that's yeah well and at the end you know when you have that homeowner walk into their home for the first time and see it for the oh. first time versus like a school trustee right like it's it's, <laughs> it's gonna be very very different yeah. one question i ask a lot of people in the design into things is yeah. this um when you're dealing with a con commercial or industrial design it's it's like you said very rigid there's certain things you have to use for fire and this and that you're a lot more creative you have the other side of your brain growing going when you're doing home stuff yeah. where do you draw your inspiration from right because you're going from one world where you have a lot that you can't be creative and then you're going to another world where it's literally a blank slate how do you figure out all of these details for people um that's a good question i mean it's part of the creative process i think all architects or at least i mean it's it's drawn on it's like a personal reservoir of of creative ideas and um it's it's about getting to know the client and uh understanding what's important to them. So I'm not a sort of a top down architect. I'm a very, I'm, I, I like to kind of get to know the client and get to know what's important to them and then work collaboratively. I've, obviously I have my own, um, things that I, I feel are, uh, you know, passionate and important to me and I've always loved housing. So I'm, I'm always gonna, I love, uh, imagining a domestic space and how people are going to occupy it and live in it and enjoy it um, with their families. And that's uh, it's something that I, I draw upon. You know, if I can add in something for you, and I'll tell you one of the things that makes them so valuable for us is uh, with all buildings in Vancouver, you have these building envelopes, which people don't realize you've got these invisible lines around your existing home or the home you're going to build. And you have to build within those lines. What we found is that Ian's very good at creating something really unique and special with maybe an area that otherwise would have, say, just been trusses and dead roof space. Ian's been able to take a very unique, maybe shape for a small lot, and then being able to maximize what we can get out of the house. And Ian's quick even when, you know, it's one of us will say, hey, what about this really neat space? And Ian will go, oh, wouldn't that make a unique place for the, for, for the kid to have a little fort in the house? Or, mm -hmm. So, I mean, that is also constantly evolving. It's not like Ian's a, you know, draw and drop guy. But, you know, a lot of people, we are, here's the drawings, build the house, goodbye. Mm -hmm. Ian wants to come by, wants to visit with the carpenters. He wants to, that's what makes it exciting for the client. They see us together and yeah. you're getting energy and you get, well, I always get goosebumps on my arms because, yeah. you know, then the creative juices get flowing and then the client picks up on them and they get, you know, well, what if this was kind of crazy, but what if? And Ian's yeah. like, yeah, I could draw that. 
And then that's where Ian's creativeness really starts to pay dividends. But that's why it's so important. Like we always repeat this on this podcast is having the right team. And you yeah. guys, you can already tell that you love working together because I think sometimes, um, and, and this is not you obviously, Ian, but um, sometimes the architects and builders don't necessarily work together. Like you said, Todd, they'll drop off the plans and that's it. But a lot of things too, just because it can be uh, in drawings doesn't necessarily mean when you get it to the stage, it can be functional. So sometimes you guys really have to put your problem solving hats on and being Absolutely. like, we want to keep that uh, part of the architect's design, but how does this work structurally? Yeah. Absolutely. And it, you know, it keeps the conflict. I mean, you get a lot of, you know, a lot of jobs that we've gone to builders and architect are in constant conflict because mm -hmm. the architect has a vision and the builder saying, there's no way I can physically build that. And I think that's where you get a lot of commotion. And when, when the owners pick up on that energy, then they start getting worried because all they see is I've got two guys at $200 an hour each arguing over how they're going to frame that piece of roof. Yeah. Um, and, and that makes for a kind of a dysfunctional job because then the, you know, the carpenters are listening to it and, and there's no chemistry anymore on the project. I think what, what we want to do is when we set up a team for a project is, you know, uh, Ian just came in to help me with a project that we're doing because the, the architect was struggling actually. And we introduced Ian, but Ian was able to take the details. He's worked so well with all the carpenters on my team. He worked through all the details really, really quick, had it done, solved, found some cost savings, solved the problems and moved on. And we did it as a team. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that there's a lot of aspects of our industry that are stressful. And, and as Todd says, we, we try to find, well, we always find ways to, always. to work through and we're problem solvers and, and uh, we, you know, we have a, but we have each other's you know, back. We have each other's back. But you as also well, have so. good timing, right? We keep yeah. talking about this. It's when you engage your entire team. You can't engage part of your team part of the time and the rest of your team the rest of your time. Right. So what you guys have just done is underscored A, the importance for me as a homeowner to make sure that I'm talking to everyone on my team and B, making sure they can work well together at the earliest possible opportunity as opposed to waiting till it's too late That's you guys right. have just proved everything we've talked about correct yet again so yeah. thank you and uh, you can answer uh todd as part of your answer if you like to or you can use another builder but ian <laughs> i just want to know hey have you ever have done a design where you feel the builder actually brought an extra special something to your design to life um, I would say that probably happens all the time. I mean, almost all the time. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a collaborative process. Like I, I have probably the initial vision. And then it's, it, I think it goes back to my working directly with builders. And also, as my, my grandfather was a builder, and just having that respect for what is brought to the table from the practical side from the builder, from the, the key trades. Like it's not a, it's not me dictating the design. It's, it's us working collaboratively together yeah. to, to deliver a great home for, for clients. So. Because at the end of the day, we got to remember too, we're not going to live there. It's going to be functional for the people in there. So it can't right. be like, it can be our showpiece kind of, but we're not going to be living there and doing it's the dishes with them. <laughs> it's not all, it's not all about me. Right. No. As the, as the, you know, I have a vision, but I, it's, it's based on what the, what's practical, what the client's budget is, and also, um, you know, what's buildable. And then you get back to the owner being, if, you know, if the owner is confident that he has a team also that has his back and is willing and wanting to express their points. Um, this, the triadic project that we're going to talk a little bit about, I mean, this was a job 
that kind of went all over the place. And there was lots of opportunities there. And some of the opportunities were brought up by the carpenters, vaulting the upstairs ceiling to get extra height, turned into a beautiful detail that we just figured it out as a team, told the owners what the costs were. They went for it because, I mean, it improved their view. So you created these really cool little features out of a home that really didn't have much of a budget. But because we hit the points at the right time, they just became part of the actuality. So it wasn't like going backwards to go forwards. And there wasn't like, well, what do you think? Well, that wasn't my idea, so we're not going to do it. So there's no egos with this team, which mm -hmm. I love. Because, you know, sometimes you unfortunately get that. Any ego with the builder or the architect, or they're always arguing over, well, whose idea is it? Who's designed it anyways? Happens this is, a lot. This is just... It's an ego business. That uh, get, yeah. But this is just us having a good time. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really is. And I think that's what I tell clients. As soon as it stops being a good time, I don't want to work for you. No. Yeah. Well, you've just underscored why it matters, right? Because I go to a lot of different projects with a lot of different people. And when I've been on your sites, the clients have been very happy at the end because this can be a stressful experience. It can be a difficult experience. Mm -hmm. And because of people like yourselves who've made the process very integrated and very accessible to the homeowner, there's no surprises. So a lot of that stress and trepidation that can come mm -hmm. not working with the right team or not having team timing properly isn't there and that creates better results not only in the finished product but for us who are homeowners the whole process and that's really really important and that's something not enough people think about they're looking at mm -hmm. bottom lines and that's it and there needs yeah. to be a mechanism for stress so i mean even when clients are like they come home and they go oh no like this is not working well, with us, it's always been a quick call, phone call to myself. And then we get, I get Ian on the line and all of a sudden they've got the whole team. So we find our clients aren't stressed because we've said, if, if you're worried, phone mm -hmm. and we'll make something work for you. And we've always responded very quickly. So we've actually alleviated that homeowner calling over and over and over again. And every time they call a little bit matter, a little bit matter, they're climbing up the chart before they finally explode over something that could have been fixed very easily by a very skilled team. So that's what we've told. I mean, you know, the client that well, you're helping us with the low voltage, yeah. you know, I mean, that's like, that was a very, very difficult rental that Ian and I did. And there were lots of times, believe me, I get the call at midnight. I can't sleep because I can't think of how this is going to work. Okay. I'll call Ian in the morning. We'll call you and we'll come by the house. Yeah. And, you know, in the morning we go by, we'd fix it and she'd be happy. But that's, again, the importance of a good team covering for it, helping each other. It's not me saying, well, Ian, that's a silly detail that Ian drew. <laughs> There's no way I can build that. I would I'd never do that. I'd phone you and say, hey, what was your vision for this? Because maybe I can make that work. Client doesn't even need to know about it. So you're just cutting that stress out of the loop. So I think that's important for more people to realize that you can fix that with a friendly phone call as opposed to, well, that's not me. That's that guy. So deal with that guy and then call me back. Yeah, like you said, it's so important to have great communication, yeah. great communication with the people on your team, great communication with the clients, because at the end of the day, too, it's an emotional experience for the clients yes. because there's money tied to it. And that can be volatile if you don't handle it the proper way. So they're life savings a lot of the time. Yeah. Hey, speaking of great communication, we should take just a couple of moments and take a break to thank our amazing sponsors. Love the segue. <laughs> <laughs> Measure Twice Cut Once is grateful to our podcast partners, Fortis BC, Vico Stone Canada Inc., and Trail Appliances. Support from our partners helps us share expert knowledge and resources with families looking to build, design, and renovate the home right for you. Vico Stone is renowned for providing exquisite quartz slabs, ideal for both kitchen countertops and vanities. Their extensive range caters to diverse preferences, offering everything from the versatile builder collection to the opulent and luxurious designs. Established as a 
reliable and preferred choice in the industry. They have earned the trust and admiration of local stone fabricators and interior designers. Trail Appliances makes everyday life better with the best selection in Western Canada, hassle-free delivery, and a price match guarantee. So you'll always get the best deal. Trail Appliances. Make sure you'll love buying an appliance as much as you love using it. And we all need reliable and efficient equipment for our better comfort, health, and safety of our homes. Whether you want to adopt some energy-saving habits or take on major energy efficiency upgrade, no matter what your budget, Fortis BC can help you save energy. Be sure to visit FortisBC.com rebates, where you can also find amazing tips on low and no-cost ways to save energy, plus buying advice for energy-efficient products. All right, welcome back. Um, you guys have known each other for a very long time, and the results of you collaborating closely for a very long time are very evident in the awards you're winning. Before we start talking about this project, can you just quickly explain how you guys met? Like you guys have known each other for many, many years, haven't you? Uh, yeah, well, since 2006, I think you mentioned. 2006, yeah. So it's an interesting story. I was actually um, my first crack at building a really big multi-million dollar home. Uh, came from a fellow named Don Stewart and a client that believed in me named uh, Al Shear. And... Uh, Ian at the time was interning off of uh, Don Stewart architect with Don Stewart. Yeah. And uh, that was, a. I mean, I talk about highly detailed homes. So I talk about 64 pages of details. Everything was hand built. Everything was clear for uh, an amazing home. And I kind of fell in love with working because me, Ian, we work with very closely. Don was a very hands-on architect. Um, and we worked on several big projects together with, uh, with Don Stewart and, and Ian, and then um, we kind of drifted apart. I hadn't seen you then, like yeah, five for, or six years, maybe. Or yeah, I I um I went to work at HCMA to finish my registration and become registered. So that's that was the hiatus, and then I um, continued to do my own work on like houses and so forth. And uh, it was a project, a renovation project, uh, in. Um, on 17th Marple, it, yeah 17th that yeah. you guys we we reconnected again and it was great project we um and then since then we've been doing probably about eight projects or more yeah so quite a few we've got three or four on the go right now yeah but we were looking at a project and i said well who's the architect and they said ian mclean i went ian that rings a bell and i went I had to call him right away and say, Ian, I'm looking at one of your projects. Yeah. And so, and that project was again, really tricky, very tight budget, but turned out to be really well done. It was very fun. And then from there, you know, so we, well, we're not going to let it end here. So we just started referring work back and forth and kind of giving each other a f yeah. first chance, to, if you will. And uh, from that has come, yeah, usually two or three jobs a year together. Oh, That's it's been good. It's a great origin story. And of course, you guys are now working on a project together or you've worked on a project that has won some awards. So let's have a little bit of a celebration here. But congratulations on these three awards. Best Environmental Initiative, BC Housing Award for Excellence in Housing Solutions, and Fortis BC Award for Excellence in Energy Efficiency in New Residential Construction. I feel like we need to pop the champagne or something. <laughs> Absolutely. 
perfect. At plus, plus. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, there we go. It's like woo. I need to yeah, like. We have our own things. sound effects here. Measure twice, count <laughs> <laughs> once. Budget issues, yeah, just yeah. hand clap. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, congratulations, you guys, because you. the Thank Haven you. Awards are very coveted, very hard to win, and so you guys did an amazing job. So let's talk about the project. How did you guys get on it together? Let's set the stage. Want drama? Yeah, how did it get action. started? Like who initiated it? Uh, well. Because you referred Nathan, me, right? I did refer yeah. Todd and his team. I trying to recollect how I met Nathan. We he reached out to me, and I don't know if he how he how he he must have connected me is somehow. Nathan the homeowner. Nathan okay. Lee is the homeowner. Nathan yeah. and Allison are the homeowners, and uh, he he's um, like minded in a lot of ways. He's not his background is landscape architecture, and he's mm. a very creative um, artist and. Uh, so we we connected and um, started working on the design together, Nathan and I with his wife Allison as well. So, um, and then uh, we then you came in name and they referred called me and... best builders, and we were from it was quite early on. Yep, because I like to get the builder connected early on it's much better for the overall process let's talk about that for a yeah. second because now we actually have two of you in the room together and mm -hmm. we've always talked about this on this podcast about a lot of builders feeling that they should be on the project pretty close to the beginning especially when things are being drawn up so can you mm -hmm. tell us a little bit of that process with todd and, and again like you you said a little bit of why you like to but i want to yeah. take a deep dive through that um well I, a big part of it is getting feedback on budget early on like if we're we're starting the design is starting to take shape and it's good to have the builder get to know one the client but also the site and where the design is going and oftentimes they can provide um, feedback on on like high level feedback on on budgeting which steers the project it's fed back into the design so i and and also it's just the longer history we have on a project together the better it goes when it comes time to handing it over to the, like the builder starts actually building it, the more familiar they are with the the client and the, and the, as the designs developed, they know it's important to the client. They know it's important to the overall design. So. I think there's definitely yeah. with ourselves, I mean, I can't speak for all builders, of course, but you know, different builders come from different backgrounds. Um, my background being, you know, I'm a red seal carpenter. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you've had as much experience building as I do, I think part of what I really appreciate is Ian opens that door for me with the owner and says, okay, so here's the design. What do you think? Like, mm -hmm. do you see any problems? Absolutely. Do you see some areas where maybe we could do this a little bit less expensive or is it easier for you? So he's actually taking into account that, you know, we're, we've got to build this. It's my guys building it. Yeah. Um, and I've been blessed with the experience that I can look at this and say, you know, if we design this a little bit differently here, or we could utilize products and, and that's where it, it's become a lot more fun. Like, I don't feel like I'm just getting, you know, here's a drawing, you got to build it exactly like this. I could build spec homes all day long in my sleep. I can honestly say, I don't really enjoy them. It's just nothing to it. I can have apprentices build spec homes, but when I build a home where I get to make an expression, if you will, I think Nathan's house was almost an artistic expression for us. We didn't have a lot of budget. He was really cool to try different things. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he had an old chunk of bowling alley in his garage. He said, can you do something with this? I'm like, yeah, we'll make a countertop out of it. So he actually yeah. built his kitchen countertop out of an old bowling alley. Wow. So, so those are the kind of, those are the kind of experiences I really want to encounter. 
So, yeah. And you've underscored something very important. When you are working with the right team, neither of you are about your egos. It no, is about no. the client first and foremost and about the results. And the collaboration that goes with two professionals who get it like that will create much better results. Because this was not a traditional renovation where I'm going to do a new bathroom and kitchen. Like this was well, a, a night. It's a brand new it's house. It's a brand yeah. new house. It used yeah, to yeah. be, what, a cottage from the 1930s and 40s? Yeah, we blew it down. You blew it down and you created a new house. But this yeah. isn't like a regular house, right? This is a very unique situation in the number of units you've created, right? 100%. That was yeah. the difficulty. And that's all hands off to Ian for that. Because Ian yeah. basically took a very squishy place and built a, like a legal duplex with a, a rental suite. So this client was able to have a beautiful home with a yard with his kids and then create uh, rental suites, which was also, he had a rental suite originally and he had a tenant that he wanted to back in. Yeah. So. Well, I think, I think as prices are so high in Vancouver and el everywhere now in Canada, that a lot of clients or homeowners are looking for mortgage helpers and ways to make the dream of living on a, sort of what feels like a single family lot, um, more affordable. So this was, uh, a legal duplex, which I believe they've held on to, but they have the opportunity to sell and, and, uh, realize, you know, if they, if they need the, the capital for that, but there's also a mortgage helper, a, a um, a rental unit that's tied to the, the main unit. And, um, we, we, not sure if the if the um, listeners can see the photos, but uh, oh, one yeah, of we'll the, have them up on the yeah. website just the, so they can take a look. But it's uh, called Triadic for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> you have three suites, and so just so I get my head around it, and of course to paint kind of the theater of the mind for the audience, yeah. it is a duplex, and then there is a suite attached to one of the ones. Why right. did you not make it a fourplex-ish then? Well, there, there was the opportunity to do a laneway house, um, but the client wanted to use that for his studio, for his landscape architecture and um, uh, so forth. But so there's three units in one building. Okay. And so that was kind of a tall order because it's there's zoning con constraints, height, setbacks that we need to kind of work within an envelope. And, and then it's about how to make the space each of the three spaces, they've all got to have good outdoor space, good natural light. And so what we did was more of a front to back um, duplex. Not a and side so, by side. Not a side by side. And so Nathan and Allison have the main unit, which is essentially oriented more towards the back. And they've got a, a great room, um, sort of like a, a main space that we did some tricks with the zoning. So we were able to um, give them a, a taller sort of grand room um, without any additional square footage and they still get the benefit of a crawl space underneath it for mechanical and so forth. Um, so there were like building challenges around that that we worked through together. So it wasn't a super, super easy build, but it was... No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. No. Um, but it was, it maximized what the potential was for the lot and still reserved um, the space at the back for... Uh, the homeowner's studio and yeah, he wanted the studio in yeah. the back we probably could have been a laneway but yeah i mean the studio being something we're actually just completing now we built a we basically took his old garage and restored all used utilized all the old lumber to build a studio in the back with like hand cut vaulted ceilings and i mean the photos for that will be really cool when they're all done because now the studio is finished but 
he was really into reusing as much of the old product that we pulled out of the heritage home. Mm -hmm. So you'll see the clawfoot tubs we reutilized, um, countertops. We even handpicked a lot of the fur beams out of the home. We selected some and then utilized them back again for like handrails, windowsills, just so yeah. the house kind of told its own story. Um, I know the one thing I really loved about this place is we actually, in his original house, they ha that's where they had their kids. There was some casing molding in there, and it was very set. He had all the kids little little lines for mm -hmm. as the kids grew, and so we actually kept that piece of casing, and then used it to match and put it back on his son's door, and then match the casing down the hallway all with the same. Mm -hmm. And then the other little cute thing is the two kids' bedrooms. The kids had never slept apart, the son and the daughter, because she has really bad night terrors. So one of the things that uh, we thought up with Ian is we actually put a little secret door in yeah. the room. So that at night she could open the door if she was having nightmares and she could hear her brother breathing Aww. or she could climb into the door and climb into bed with him. Love it. So mm -hmm. it's just something really, but she was so scared about having her own room and she expressed this to us. And we said, what if we make you a little secret door in the back of your closet? And so, you know, that's those little things too that, you know, for me, I get really excited about doing something simple. And, and then she goes, that's the first thing she shows all her friends when they go, is your secret door. So, you know, but it's little stuff like that that maybe you don't get from your average everyday builder, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. those special touches, little things. Yeah. yeah. And you know, those are really neat. But what I really like about it at a very high level is first of all, this is not an expensive place to live or a, a cheap place to live. Sorry. It is a no. very expensive place to live. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's becoming less and less affordable for families. And yeah. so we have to be creative mm -hmm. in order to maintain the lifestyles we want to maintain. But at the same time, we are also dealing with densification issues and how do we make sustainable neighborhoods without radically altering their DNA. Mm -hmm. And so what's great is where one family could barely have room to live, now two or three families will live, and that's going to solve a lot of problems at once as well. Um, can we talk a little bit about some of the bits and pieces of the home? We, we want to talk a little about some of the... the the energy efficiency and maybe indoor air quality because those are important conversations especially if we look at the smoke outside of this window right now mm -hmm. um can you guys dig into a little about how you tackle that because i imagine it would have been more challenging to engineer three separate climate zones than one separate climate zone in that same size space right well yeah i mean and we have the restrictions the city lays on us too and of course you have firewalls to think about and sprinkler systems and I mean, the firewalls, especially every time you penetrate it, the city doesn't like the, and we had to do, I mean, floors were firewall. Mm -hmm. I mean, the clients, again, there are ways of creating a efficient way of heating your home, if you don't mind doing a little research, um, without breaking the bank. And this was, this was actually our challenge from our client was, how do I get my, my air conditioning? How do I get my air, my air changes? and efficiently heat these units. Because again, we're, we're always talking about money. We're limited on hydropower. So to be able to create that system, uh, we use hot water baseboards in a lot of the home, uh, which also tied into the hot water supply. Uh, the air conditioning system is actually designed by our mechanical contractor. And uh, it became a very low cost, high energy efficient system without having to break the bank. I I also feel like we, we worked a lot on, um, passive, uh, ventilation. So Nathan's unit, Nathan and Allison's unit, for example, has great natural light, a lot of op 
operable windows and a big folding door at the back. Um, but it also has a top, like it's got a, um, allows for natural ventilation through the, through the upper floor as well. So, um, I think, uh, the sort of party of the design helped a lot with that too. And I mean, one of the things that's, we really try to do is, um, these are smaller homes and, and, or, well, it's not that small, but it's, it's, um, it's a small house. Dude. It's a small house, but it's, <laughs> but we foot just so curious. 3,300 square feet total for all three units. Oh, wow. So, um, but they feel there's great light, natural light, and there's great connection. Each unit has great connection to outdoor space, which in Vancouver's climate and just people want that sort of sink. It's a, it's an element of a single family home that people want to maintain they don't want to necessarily live in apartment boxes they want to have a sense of a yard and and uh or a garden and uh and the current so, code changes are going to make this interesting as you said how do you jam three or four units into a 33 foot wide lot and yeah. still give you a feeling like well i may as well be in an apartment mm -hmm. yeah so you know this is what the the design the design of this worked very well because it did give so Nathan and his family has a beautiful, big private backyard all on their own. Don't have to share that with the neighbors or anything. In the front yard, there are two separate areas for yard. Mm -hmm. Both of them have their own gardens. So it does give you a feeling like three individual units. The complexity of the home was a little bit more to build it um, because of all the firewall issues and stuff we had. But having said that, we were met, we met, I almost want to say we fluked out, but but to be able to, to be able to see the job when it's done and to, to be able to realize that you've accomplished everything that client has asked for, which in the end is what we're looking for. We're looking for acknowledgement from him and his wife and, mm -hmm. and the smile on their kids' faces as they see the bedroom. That's the biggest reward we get is you realize like, you're going like, I hope this is everything they dreamed of and more. Yeah. And then to see that smile and you realize, okay, we nailed it. Mm -hmm. To get the awards, to be honest, I wasn't gonna even enter this house in. Um, because it wasn't one of our big budget homes. It was a very simple build. And uh, we were actually talking with, uh, with Mr. Knowles, who does our photos. And he said, this is a really fun project. Why haven't you entered this one? And I said, I don't know, what would I enter it in for? And so we started walking through it and talking with Ian about it and realizing, you know, it was, it is a unique home. It had a lot of really neat, special features that maybe we just, I, I, could, I didn't see for myself because it was just something we kind of, we just do it so well, what i love about it like you said it is a modest budget because it makes it being like oh a lot of people could build something like this yeah mm -hmm. and how do you work uh the two of you with someone's budget like this to keep it on track and make sure that it is um realistic and what was the budget for this out of curiosity inquiring minds want to know <laughs> the budget for this was one point actually the budget originally was one million it went up to 1.2 uh so it was 1.2 million dollars um we actually, obviously Nathan actually followed our system, which is probably the first time. We give him a budget and an outline of saying, this is what you can spend in every category. You have so much for tiles, so much for hardwood, so much for, and he actually followed it to a T. Some of the things he asked for an additional was more where our carpenters came into play, was like the extra for uh, um, trim work and the countertop. And then the studio became a separate issue, which we budgeted separately. But Nathan wanted to, Nathan knew the importance of teamwork because the other thing Nathan didn't use was an interior designer. 
which we thought was going to make it very difficult, but he was very on point. I mean, I wouldn't recommend that for clients. He's a very rare, he worked very closely with Ian and worked closely with us. We did a lot of extra ground, groundwork for him, but he was determined to come in on budget. So because we were able to work all so closely together, um, I mean, the job just, it just fell into place. And we did a lot of pre-planning a lot of pricing up front. So we knew what all the costs were going to be. So when he wanted something extra, we could say, well, this is how it affects your budget. Do you want it? Well, no, maybe, maybe I'll do it later. Is this something I could do down the road? Mm -hmm. So that when we did hit a problem, it was easier to take on because we already knew all the costs that were fixed. So proper planning with your team at the front carries straight through to the end if you've executed it properly. So I think that's, again, the most, the, the biggest thing you can do is get the, get the architect, get the interior designer, Get a good contractor that understands what you want. You don't, maybe not the cheapest guy, but a guy that you think is going to be able to work through problems with you and understand your goals. And then that should be able to be followed through straight to the end. Yeah. And one thing that we didn't talk about yet is uh, I, I've heard this through many builders, especially here in Vancouver and even New Westminster, but oil tank. Do you want to talk a little bit about the oil tank, the dreaded oil, oil tank? Oil tank ambush. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They had a clearance letter that said there was no oil tank on their property. Uh, of course, you pull the house down and uh, first shovel in, bang, there's the oil tank. Um, there are some, you know, the rules that we have to follow. So, of course, we had to open the tank. We did have some leaching. Uh, so we had to take care of that first and then dispose of the tank legally. Uh, that was not expected. Um, there was a bit of a skirmish with the realtor and the previous owner, because we did have a letter signed off mm -hmm. on, uh, but we didn't have to face a fight. They actually did come forward and say, yes, we will pay for those costs. So, um, you know, we just handled it very calmly and it slowed us down for a few weeks, but we were able to deal with it, get it off the property. We did talk to both neighbors on both sides. There are chemical compounds that you can add. So it actually shows where it's leached into because you are responsible for, it's not just your property. You're responsible for mm -hmm. your neighbor's properties as well. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to make sure we did all the research, had it all signed off on, and then we were able to proceed fairly quickly. Just for people that might not know, because it's still kind of a common occurrence, especially in the older parts of Vancouver, Lower Mainland, what is an oil tank? Like, why do we have them? So. Oh, well, our old furnaces used to be run on kerosene, yeah. kerosene, oil tank. I mean, and so these tanks, a lot of times are buried in, and were never emptied. Mm. Back in when I first started, you used to be able to, the fire department would come out, they'd cut open the top of a tank, pump the fuel out, and then you'd haul it out or you'd just fill it with sand and you could leave it. Well, you can't anymore because people realize is these tanks leach. So they pull the tanks out, then they want to, you know, then they want to explore the ground to make sure. I mean, you have things like the old piping used to be wrapped in asbestos. And so you have all these other elements now that you're looking for, right, to make sure that we're safe. So it, it can be tricky. So don't take it lightly and don't just rip it out of the ground and throw it in the way on a, you know, Saturday truck, Saturday afternoon in the back of your truck. Because if your neighbor finds some kerosene in their, in their yard, mm -hmm. then you could be held liable. So... Definitely take that seriously and do it right. Do the research up front before you buy the property. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think we could probably keep talking about this project all day. It's been a remarkably interesting conversation with so much ground to cover and, you know, some great, great uh, learning. Um, and some lessons that I think are really pertinent for today's learning is, first of all, working with the right team. So your design and build team to maximize the available space on your lot and also maximize the impact on what can be a constrained budget, right? We don't have an unlimited pot of money. 
And once again, you have made sure to underscore the importance of if you are a homeowner, if you are contemplating a project like this, bring your team together as early as possible yes. mm -hmm. and have them working together because the end results are going to speak for themselves. The fact that you could take this project in budget, and by the way, for people who are listening and watching this in Winnipeg and the rest of Canada, 1.2 <laughs> is cheap for Vancouver market. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not so much for Winnipeg and the rest of Canada, but to, to have it come in at such a low price point is is quite remarkable. So it speaks highly to both of you, your many years of experience. And what's really neat is here you guys are working on your first respective projects together all those years ago, and you're still working together and pumping out awesome projects right now. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and before we go, I know you guys have told me so many great things this interview, but I would like one more tip for our audience from each of you. Just give us one more little piece of wisdom. It doesn't have to be anything to do with this house, but if somebody was coming to you, Ian, and uh, looking to find an architect, what kind of tip would you give them? Todd, something to do with somebody coming mm. to build a home. Do you want to go first? You Unless you first? have a lot of tips um, that we don't know I about. I, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, sh I wish I'd thought about it earlier. I, I, um, I guess one thing that comes to mind, perhaps not the most important, but it is important nonetheless to have an architect that understands the intricacies of working in the city of Vancouver. It's oh, yeah. got a, right. it's got its own unique uh, challenges and zoning and permit process. And, process. and, and um, it's, it can make things either extraordinarily more difficult or it can make things fairly smooth if, if you've got a designer or architect who is familiar with the processes. So that's it. Yeah. My tip, I think is the same tip I do, uh, I give all the time is take the time to interview the builders. Don't worry so much about the budget. Don't even bring the budget up because anyone will tell you anything you want to hear to get the job sometimes. But I want to say, take the time to understand the builder's process, who he is, how dispute resolutions work, a little bit about himself, how long has he been in business? Because you need to be comfortable with this person. Like this person is going to be a big part of your life through the planning process, yeah. permit stage. And you want to be able to think, when I'm panicking, I want to be able to call this guy Absolutely. and have him settle it down. And I want him to have a, a way he's going to solve all this. And his team should be able to come together. Mm -hmm. You're spending your life savings. If your team doesn't care for you, move on and find a team that does. So you need to pick that person that you do, you do think is actually going to care for you and your family the same way they care for their own. Great answer. And I think the most important question to ask you guys before we go is where did you put your Haven Awards? Mine? Yeah. Why do you want, do you have like a room because you have a lot of them? <laughs> do you have the wall of his office with all the other ones he's won over the last 20 years, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're in my office. Just, I mean, I put them up on the shelf and right above all my other sort of plaques and stuff. But I mean, the Haven Awards for me has always been fun. I think I've done it since, and more so even though you don't have the Georgies or anything else, it's just because the Haven is a room of all my friends and all my peers. And I think it's, you know, it's not every day you get to walk up on the stage. I think my wife, you know, hugged Ron and, and I was hugging Don as I went by and high-fiving Mike. But to see all your friends there cheering you on, there's no egos, no animosity. It's just well done. I'm going to buy you a drink afterwards. And so I think that's what makes, that's what makes the awards really fun. And I know this is, I think these are your first ones, weren't they? 
Your first I, Haven ones? I had. I have one with Shakespeare Holmes. Oh, there you go. Two well, years you ago. You can't say that name. Yeah, okay. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, well. uh, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> sorry, Mark. My, <laughs> no, I'm not. No, that was a great. Pro- that was a great project too, and it was a good experience. Yeah. Um, Are they in your office? Mine are, mine are in my office behind my computer. So if I'm having a meeting, they're they're visible behind me. So your daughter loves them. My daughter loves them. Yeah, <laughs> they're beautiful. Yeah. You know, Todd, you were you were talking about winning a Haven Award and being with all your friends, and that's really one of the greatest parts for those of us who are part of this organization is we're surrounded by our friends and family. And today we indeed had a conversation with two friends about some really great information. Very privilege to be able to talk to both of you today. I always learn so much, so much when we have people like you on because you have such a different approach to doing everything. And and we really genuinely appreciate you guys coming in and making time to talk to us. Now, before we go, I have to talk about barbecues for a second. <laughs> not bar- Actually, no, not barbecues, specifically a barbecue. And that is a barbecue that someone can win. So our wonderful friends at Fortis BC have once again brought to the table Napoleon Prestige P500 stainless steel natural gas barbecue. It's worth over $1,500. And yeah, thank you, Fortis BC, for that. <laughs> And we're going to give it away to one of our lucky viewers or listeners. All you have to do, haven.ca slash measure twice, cut once, tell your family, tell your friends, enter lots, and hopefully we'll have someone getting a new barbecue very soon. Fantastic. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much. Thank and you. Is, yeah, yeah, thank you. Love having you on. And for notes and links and everything mentioned on today's episodes, including, of course, the beautiful photos of Triadic, all you need to do is go to haven.ca slash measure twice count once. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank, you. You. thank you. Thank you both. Why spend hours searching dealerships, comparing makes and models? Find the best of BC's inventory in one place, todaysdrive.com. You'll have access to inventory across BC, where you can easily find a vehicle that fits your needs and gets you where you need to go in comfort. Get in the driver's seat. Don't miss out on the many options we have available for you. Powered by Black Press Media, todaysdrive.com connects you with exclusive new and used car deals.